It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white turn to gray. Thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. You know, Marion Webster defines fade as to lose freshness, strength, vitality. Uh, we say flowers uh, wither, we say they faded, right? You know, also they talk about to, to change gradually in loudness, strength, visibility. Uh, it's reducing of an image or reducing the sound to dissolve it, to evaporate, to disappear ultimately. I remember my uh, first car, it was an Oldsmobile Delta 88, and uh, some, of, some of you know what I'm talking about, you're laughing. The, I mean, the car, the car was big as a boat, all right, and it, and it drank gas like it was going out of style, and when I first got the, the car, it, w- it was a bit run down. It was hard to start, the, the engine, it ran rough, uh, it definitely needed a muffler. And um, the back quarter panels, they had rust on them, and the car was a very dull blue. It had no shine to it whatsoever. So when I first got the car, I put my teenage ingenuity to work on it. And I, my, my, I had several major decisions. The first major decision that I made as a teenager was what to name my car. So I nicknamed it Old Blue. My second major decision was I took out the AM FM radio and I put an eight track player in there and a new speaker system. Friends, it was loud. I mean, I didn't say it sounded great, it was loud, all right? And it was loud enough that my muffler was no longer an issue, at least not for me. <laughs> The next thing that I tackled, because this is important, I wanted a nice shine on my car. And so I bought, it was a five-step blue coral uh, wax application. And with each application, I, I had all these white rags, and I would start applying, and by the time I got done applying the, the, the paste, my rags were blue. They were bluer than the car was. And my hands were blue. I looked like I was turning into a Smurf or something. They were like that for days. I had to go to school with my hands, hands blue. What was interesting was I would get a shine on the car while it was wet. So it looked really good in the rain. But a few hours after I had put the paste on, it, it faded. It was dull. It, it was flat. So I went to a body shop, and I talked to them, and they informed me that because of the weather, because of the sun, and because it was blue, that the paint had oxidized on it. And so my hope of a cool car, it faded, just like the paint job. It was not so cool. Here's what I remember. The car was big, it was broke down a lot, and it was blue faded blue, and I can still picture it. 
Friends, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a big problem, a big problem in our culture, a big problem in our country, in our communities, and even in our churches. Something is broken. You know, you hear a lot of noise these days. Speakers, they're loud. A lot of, a lot of finger pointing. You know, we're attempting by blaming to cover up a very painful reality. It's faded. A lot of noise these days when it comes to the economy. You know, Wall Street, they're to blame. Corporate greeds to blame. The problem's this, the problem's that. A lot of noise. A lot of noise when it comes to politics. Something is broken. You know, the noise, it's deafening. The speakers are loud, but nothing's getting fixed. I mean, they're really loud. Democrats blame Republicans. Republicans blame the Democrats. The Tea Party, the Libertarians, they blame everybody. A lot of noise. A lot of noise when it comes to education. A lot of finger pointing. The problems test, the problems teachers, the problems administration, problems parents. No, it's curriculums to blame on this one. I mean, all this stuff, and it gets louder and louder and louder. Something is broken. Now, friends, I could go on and on all morning. Something is broken, severely broken. In business, in politics, in education, in entertainment, in religion, it's broken. Friends, it has been a slow fade. Choices were made, made in the gray. It's been a slow fade, but friends, it did not crumble in a day. And we're paying the price. You know, my prayer as we begin this series is that we come to terms with the fact that something's broken. And that we quit pointing fingers at everyone else. And we stop playing the blame game. And to realize that if we're going to stop the fade, it begins with God. And it begins with me. And it begins with you. In other words, not somebody else. Not they. Me and you. It starts with us. Now there was a time in Israel's history... Solomon was the king, and he had just built the temple. And some were returning to the church, but many, or to the temple, but many had abandoned the faith. They were following other gods. Many had, in fact, rejected God in favor of a very secular mentality. And so society, it was messed up. It was greedy, there was a lot of dishonesty, a lot of corruption. In other words, something was broken, severely broken. 
and it weighed on Solomon's heart. Scripture says it weighed heavily on him. And so Solomon began to pray, began to seek God, and then a few people joined with Solomon. And it was interesting because God heard the prayers. And God spoke to Solomon one evening and made a promise to the people of Israel, a promise that I believe is to all God's people. It said this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. God says, and I will forgive their sins and what? Heal their land. Something is broken. And friends, we need healing in this land. Desperately. It starts with us humbling ourselves before God. Praying and seeking God. Turning from destructive ways. And it doesn't start with everybody else. It starts with you and me doing that. And that's what we're going to do right now. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God. God, there is a brokenness. Something is terribly wrong. It's all around us. God, it's in our communities. It's in our homes. God, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would just speak to us today. God, you, you promise that when your people humbly come before you, and pursue you. God, you promise that you will heal, that you will bring wholeness. So God, that's what we do today. We humble ourselves before you knowing that you are the answer. God, open our eyes, open our hearts. May we hear whatever it is you'd have us hear today. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Today what I want to do, I simply want to build a foundation today, all right? I want to get us on the same page or see if we're on the same page. Let me ask you, what are your values? You know, values are your core beliefs. They're the things that shape what you do in this life. I know a lot of people today say, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe, but I want to say that's absolutely not true. It is not true. It does matter what you believe, because what you believe determines your behavior, and your behavior will determine who you're going to become. You know, the kind of person that you are today if you were to look at the foundation in your life, it is based on the things 
that you have chosen to value. In other words, your convictions will determine your conduct, and your conduct will determine your character. Values matter. Values matter. There is something wrong in our nation. There is something wrong in our businesses, in our schools, in our churches, and in our homes. There's something wrong. And even the secular media recognizes something's wrong. You know, all you need to do is take, take a look at articles that are coming out that are, keep pointing to decline. You know, decline in values, decline in morals, in ethics, in character. I want to suggest to you, fade. You know why the fade? I think it's about truth decay in this country and in our homes. No longer do we value truth. You know, we value convenience. Is it easy? What's simple? We, we value pragmatism. You know, does it work? The truth is no longer is it core in our lives that people go, well, I don't even know if there is such a thing as truth anymore. We're not concerned about truth. As long as it works for me, 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 then I'm good. See, there's been a shift. There's been a shift. In fact, you look back over the last 50 years, there's been a fade going on. 50 years ago, there was almost, not totally, but almost, there was a universal agreement in our society about what was true, what was right, what was wrong. Not a lot of gray. Now, I am not naive, okay? I understand that although there may have been a universal agreement about things, that didn't mean everybody did it, okay? I get that. They didn't mean that uh, just because they agreed uh, about what was right and wrong that they didn't break it, okay? I get that. People still chose to do what was wrong 50 years ago. But there was a difference because there was a sense of, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Today, I, I think it's different. Entire generations of people don't know the difference between right and wrong anymore. There isn't a, a sense of what, what seems to make sense. The, the standards are kind of up for grabs. You know, what's right for me may be wrong for you. And so we make it up as we go. No standard of measurement to evaluate by anymore. I mean, what happened? I mean, how did values fade? How did truth fade? What was that process? Well, I think that we were sold a bill of goods and that we've fallen for three very destructive philosophies and we're going to spend some time talking about these because these philosophies have replaced truth in our society. I mean, one of the philosophies is individuality. See, we have faded from we to me. 
started living for me. You know, I, I will decide the standard for my life. I will decide what truth is and what works for me. Only I can judge what's right and wrong. No one has a right to tell me I'm wrong. I'll decide what works for me, 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 me. Individualism. I was reading a recent survey, Wall Street, uh, they were talking to executives. And they were talking about when they have these ethical crises in, in their business or, or whatever. And they asked them, who do you consult? And it was interesting because 44% said they consulted themselves. And when they were pressed, well, do you check? No, I just talked to myself. 3% said that they consult scripture, God, or they, they look for that spiritual foundation. Friends, this is nothing new. Individualism, it's gone on in nations for centuries. In fact, millenniums. Israel, there was a time in Israel's history when it was chaos. In fact, I would say it's one of the darkest ages in Israel's history. A lot of fading going on. A lot of fading. Scripture says, says this, Judges 21, 25. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Sounds pretty contemporary, doesn't it? Just do what you think's right. No judge, no standard, no rules, no absolutes anymore. They just did what they wanted to do, and it created chaos. I mean, it's an easy philosophy to hold on to. Do what works for me. I don't have to feel guilty about anything. I don't have to measure up to anything. I do what I think's right. It sounds great, doesn't it? And I guess it would be if I lived in isolation, you know, like I wasn't affected by your choices or other people's choices. But friends, the result for Israel, everybody's doing what they thought was right, and it led to anarchy because all that mattered is me, 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 me. Very contemporary. I, I think perhaps that's why God cautioned in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, what you think is the right road may lead to what? Death. <laughs> very, very self-centered, destructive road when you get into individuality. There's also a philosophy that's alive and well, secularism. And I want to sum secularism up in three words for you. God is unnecessary. Now I want you to listen very carefully. I'm not saying that I don't believe in God or that I don't believe there is a God 
See, secularism says I can believe there is a God. I just don't need God in my life. I can do life without God. And friends, I would argue that for the last 50 years, at least, we have systematically been removing God from the public arena, from media, from news, from our schools, from our government. We have slowly relegated God to some Sunday morning activity, for some, or when it suits me, or I need God, and basically I believe in God, he's just a little piece of my life. We've taken prayer out of many of our institutions. We've tore down the Ten Commandments. Might make someone feel bad. Nativities have been disassembled, removed from public arenas. But have no fear, Santa Claus Rudolph will appear, all right? Fifty years ago, most people went to church. Today, it's just the opposite. All the shifts, changes, call it progressive or call it sad. Here's my question. Where are people getting their values? Talk show hosts? Tyra? Ellen? Wendy? Literature? J.K. Rowling's? E.L. James? No? Where are we getting them? Not coming from God, not coming from the Bible, not coming from the church, not even coming from parents many times. Predominantly, most people take their cues from the media, from television. That's a little scary, isn't it? Romans 1.25 says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Secularism has moved God out of the mainstream. We quit worshiping God. I mean, we worship, we just worship things now. Materialism, things that God's created. You know, it's interesting, you talk to people, that, in a lot of Americans, we see a uh, third world culture where they've got like carved statues of animals and bugs and things, and they're worshiping it. And you talk to people and they go, isn't that just sad? Just sad, so uneducated. They're worshiping a piece of wood. Well, friends, we're worshiping too. Ours just happen to have chrome emblems, designer labels, brands. I mean, we worship stuff. It's a shift. Here's the bottom line, secularism. God is not necessary. I am the center of the universe. It is all about me. Me, 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 me. And then there's relativism. Now, this is not about your relatives hanging out at your house all day, okay? Relativism is defined in two words. There are no absolutes, no absolutes, two words, no absolutes. The basic idea goes something like this. What's true for me 
may not be true for you. What's right for me may not be right for you. Nobody can say what's right or wrong. Why? Because all truth isn't really truth at all. There is no truth to, to be found. There, there, the, when it comes to truth, it's kind of relative. It's kind of vague. It's gray. Again, great way to live. No guilt, right? Put the standards at your own discretion. So if I don't measure up to God's standard, well, who cares? I just lower the bar. It's a new day. And it's interesting. I was thinking about it. I have not met anyone that has raised the bar on God's standards to say, you know what? I want to live beyond that. No, we always lower the bar so that we can go, hey, look, look how great I am. I'm living up to my standards now. And friends, this has serious problems. You know, people say, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're what? Sincere. As long as you're sincere. Doesn't matter. Really? Doesn't matter what you believe. It's a lie. It's a lie. How many of you after church are going to get on 255? I'm just curious. How many of you are? Kind of nice I got part of it, more of it open. What if when you get on 255 today, you, you start traveling and then you realize somebody's coming the wrong direction? Or, well, we can't say wrong, the opposite direction. And they're heading right at you. So you yell out your window, you're going the wrong direction. Now, if relativism is applied, they'd hang out their window and go, I'm not going the wrong direction. I believe I'm going the right direction. Oh, sure, there's some signs that say wrong way, but they ought to take those signs down. I mean, who's to say what's right and wrong? Those signs are so judgmental. I think the transportation department is so narrow-minded. Friends, they can believe what they want. They can sincerely believe that they are right. But they are wrong, maybe dead wrong. And I know as I say that, some of you are going, that's ridiculous. Friends, we live in a society we are afraid to tell the truth because we don't want to hurt anybody. People don't want to hear the truth. I watch people making really bad decisions in their life, like I call them the cliff-jumping decisions. And you can see they're, they're heading for destruction or a collision or a big problem. And many times if that person comes to me and they're seeking some advice, one of the things I'll ask, I'll just say, well, what are your friends and family saying? Prevailing advice that I hear back from people, they'll say, well, my friends, my family says, do what you want to do. Do what's best for you. And the whole time I'm, I'm thinking, really? This isn't good. 
You're going to crash. It's going to hurt. Relativism, friends, is dangerous stuff. Relativism, it's appealing. It's appealing to a self-absorbed, self-centered society. There are no absolutes. Are you absolutely sure? Are you? Do not let anyone con you. You have been sold a bill of goods by individualism. Live for myself. Secularism, oh, God's not necessary. Relativism, there are no absolutes. These are prevailing attitudes in our culture. We have placed the highest value on tolerance. Tolerance is valued more than truth. Truth is taken out of the conversation. Why? We don't want to offend anybody. Truth's been relegated to narrow-minded, judgmental, intolerant. Friends, it's not judgmental to speak the truth. I mean, if I said right now that it is 11 o'clock, you'd say, what? It's not 11 o'clock. What time, what time is it? Somebody? 10.30? No, it's 11.30. What time is it? 10.30. You'd go, Damon, daylight savings time. We changed the clocks last night. She was awfully judgmental. She wasn't being judgmental. She just told me the truth. The word tolerance has been redefined in our society. It used to mean that I will respect you. I will treat you with dignity even though we disagree about something. I believe scripture teaches that we are to, as believers, to be tolerant, understanding that Jesus accepted people. He loved people. But he did that without approving of sin or lifestyles or whatever. In other words, Jesus didn't say, hey, do whatever you want to do. It doesn't really matter. You just do what works for you. Jesus treated people with dignity, but he spoke the truth. I believe we're called to do that. Tolerance doesn't mean that anymore, though. Tolerance has been redefined. Now it means that every idea... Every idea that's out there has equal validity. You know, you believe this, I believe this. And even when they contradict, we accept them both as truth. And I just want to say, that's nonsense. It's just nonsense. Every idea, every belief is not equal. Truth is narrow. You know, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He's speaking to the Gentiles, the secular world. He says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They, they wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their mind and hardened their hearts against him. 
Moses, he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. I think if he was around today, he'd say, let my people think. Do not be conned by these philosophies of individualism and secularism and relativism. They are deadly. Something is wrong, terribly wrong. And the stakes are high and the cost is great. And our culture and our families did not collapse overnight. It's a fading process. And friends, that's what happens when you forget God. You're not sure about it? Watch the news tonight. Pick up a magazine. Surf the net. Look at studies. Look at statistics. Something is wrong. Terribly wrong. Writer of Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 18, says, a nation without God's guidance is a nation without order. Happier those who keep God's law. Where there's no God, well, watch out. Where there's no God, things get out of control. Where there's no God, chaos will rule. Where there's no God, well, anything goes at that point. People steal. People cheat. People take advantage of one another. Where there's no God... Things break down. They fall apart. They collapse. They fade. See, something's wrong. Something's wrong. We, we have flip-flopped values. What, what used to be right is wrong. What used to be wrong is right. It's been all turned around. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah 5.20 says, you're doomed. You call evil good. You call good evil. You turn darkness into light and light into darkness. Something's wrong. I don't know if you figured this out yet. Something's wrong and the government can't fix it. Something's wrong and education can't fix it. Something is wrong, and all the money in the world will not fix it. Only God can fix it. Only God can. It's a fade. It's a fade. You now the psalmist asks this question. Psalms 11.3 says, When the foundations are being destroyed... What can the righteous do? That's been on my heart for almost a year. This whole series has. You know, what do we do? What do we do? Well, friends, we humble ourselves before God. God is the answer. Without God, we are in trouble. Abraham Lincoln, he said, morality without God's impossible. Washington, he was a little more specific. George Washington said, a moral government without God is impossible. Something is wrong, 
and we need God, and we need to humble ourselves before God, and we need to pray, and we need to seek God, and we need to pursue God's ways. You know, how do we do that? Well, there's only one way I know. You know, Scripture says, Paul writes, he says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God is the answer, but God's Word will teach us what's wrong, what's true, what's right. If God says it, it's absolutely right, you know. Whether, whether I understand it or not, whether I agree with it or not, whether I like it or not. In fact, I have experienced and witnessed the, the truth of God's word so many times in my life that for the things, the few things that I don't really understand, I've learned just to trust God. Because he's proven to me through his word that he can be trusted, absolutely trusted. Now, here's the, the question for the day. And I, and I want you to be honest with yourself. In fact, I would encourage you to maybe make this your devotion each morning or afternoon whenever you have time with God. And just ask yourself two questions. Where are you getting your values from? All right? Where are you getting your values from? And the second question, which is actually more important, where are you going to get your values from. And just spend some time thinking about that. Let God talk to you. God's word is true. God's word is the best way, but we have a choice to make at that point. Keep doing what we're doing. Keep fading. Or seek God and God's ways and build on that truth in our life. You know, what's the benefits? Well, I think, real fast, the three of them. You know, the psalmist writes, Psalms 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In other words, God, God gives us a, a benefit of, I don't have to stumble in life so many times. I don't have to make so many mistakes in life. You know, there are things when I was a teenager, I thought, well, that's just ridiculous. And then as I got older, I realized God was just trying to keep me from getting jammed up. Second benefit, and it's a promise from God, Proverbs 16 says, whoever gives attention to the Lord's word prospers, and blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord. Now don't misunderstand, this just doesn't mean you won't have problems in life, but that ultimately when you make God your foundation, make his truth the foundation in your life, predominantly you will find that you will prosper and you will be blessed and you'll have a lot more peace in your life. And then the other benefit is something we, we talked about early on, that God will heal our land. You know, we talked about it at the beginning of this message, that God will heal us. You know, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. It starts with you and me. Humbling ourselves before God. 
praying, I'd ask you to do that over the next few weeks. You know, seeking God, turning from our destructive ways. And you may go, well, I don't know how destructive they are. Well, whatever they are, turning from them and pursuing God's ways. I'm not suggesting it's easy either. It's tough sometimes. But if we do that, if we take those steps, God says, I'll heal your land. Which when I hear that, it means I'll heal your families. I'll heal your communities. I'll heal this country. Prince, God's the answer. Next few weeks, we're going to look at different areas of where we're fading, that we need to turn it around. So let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, you created every person here fearfully, wonderfully. God, there's there's something broken. God, I don't have the answers. I don't think any of us have the answers. We may think we do, but we don't. But what I absolutely know is you've got the answers. God, we may have cut the tether, decided we're going to do life on our own, but God, we need you. We need you for a foundation. We need you for a foundation in this church, in our families, in our communities, and in our nation. God, I pray that um, you'd stir in us a deep passion to pursue you. For everything we're worth. God, I pray that each one of us would just seek you. Seek you in the everyday, seek you in prayer, seek you in everything we do and say. God, we give you glory we give you the praise this day and every day and God's people said